0: to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. We've been hearing a lot about the new framework Remix and thought it would be an interesting topic to dive deeper into and learn what the benefits of leveraging Remix in your project are. So we have Shonday Person joining us uh, to talk more about Remix. Shonday, do you want to give us a brief introduction of who you are what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me on here. I'm Shande Person. I am a senior software engineer at Netflix, actually on Ryan's team. Um, Been here about 10 months now. Um, Just hit my Ten month anniversary a couple weeks ago, and nice. um, outside of Netflixy stuff, I am also an egghead instructor. I'm currently working on a course on migrating an enterprise app from JavaScript to TypeScript. I speak. I spoke at Remix Conf, um, so I'm a conference speaker, and I'm also a mom, and that takes up most of my time. My favorite happy hour beverage is I'm, I'm a big whiskey bourbon person, but I'm very uh just into the basics jack daniels and diet coke like it can't be regular coke i like the taste of diet coke better
0: interesting just like less sugar with the like mix of the bourbon or
1: i yeah and it's flatter so i have this thing about bubbles and i i don't like soda i but um diet coke is a lot less carbonated it feels it feels flatter so um that and i don't like all the, the sugar. I don't like sweet drinks. So um, I think even if there was no alcohol content, I would drink Diet Coke and and Jack on its own. Just Fair enough. Coke. Yeah.
0: And yeah, I, I think like uh, this is a great topic for you to talk about because you attended the Remix conference and speaking at it. What was your talk uh, that you gave at Remix?
1: It was called Remix as a browser framework. And so the theme of the of the talk was talking about how Remix gets us to interactivity faster. And so I'll go more into it, but mainly as a UI uh, engineer, I'm very in tune with how users can interact with the apps that I'm using. And that's really what what the whole job is. is, um, And so interactivity, what I mean by that is just how the relationship is between your users and, the actual app that you're building. So that could be like, what happens when they click a link? What happens when they push a button? um, How responsive is it? How quick can they get to that level of interactivity? And um, Remix puts optimizations on both initial page render as well as the navigation between page routes to make your app seem almost instantaneously interactive. So that was, um, it was fun. It sounds kind of uh, very technical, but. um, I was dancing at the beginning of the, the talk uh, and I waddled. And so there, <laughs> it's going to sound weird unless you watch the actual talk, but um, there was a lot of, lot of movement, a lot of learning by, <laughs> by watching my strange movements and the talk.
0: I love that. All right. Well, this is perfect topic then. And uh, before we dive in, let's give introductions of today's panelists. Stacy, you want to start it off?
2: Sure. I'm Stacy London. I'm a senior front-end engineer on 12.
0: Jem Young, engineering manager at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm an engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we love to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is?
1: Routes. Routes.
0: routes routing routes, routes <laughs> routing router i'm <laughs> router. pretty sure this word is coming up like <laughs>
1: that was so not strong
0: <laughs> i love it this is great all right well before we go deep on this topic i feel like we maybe should start off with what is remix i mean we, we said at the top that it it's a framework but i mean it's a javascript framework but what what is remix
1: so actually, it is not positioned as a JavaScript framework. It's positioned as a browser framework. The yes. big difference, yeah. The big difference is that um, if you think of a JavaScript framework, you were thinking like React, um, Vue, Angular, and those apps are using JavaScript as the foundation. So um, any app these days, whether you just spin up a quick little um, homegrown. Personal page, or whether it's an enterprise application like a Netflix, um, you're using a framework like React. It's going to take the fundamentals of JavaScript, abstract those out in some Reacty way, and then turn it into whatever you've designed as a you know beautiful website. Now, most apps these days are um, very heavy in the amount of JavaScript they use, and they have these large JavaScript bundle sizes. So. The issue, or where us as UI engineers need to focus, is on performance and what happens if your user doesn't have this super high-speed internet connection, um, or you know, if they're the example that I used in the in the talk is just like if you're stuck at the airport and you're just trying to make a quick change to your ticket, and um, obviously you're just using internet that everybody else is using, right? So um, where the optimizations are for performance is either reducing the amount of JavaScript that you have, or um, finding ways to do code splitting, bundling, and things like that to um, navigate around these slow networks. Remix, by contrast, is a web framework or a browser framework. And so rather than using the fundamentals of JavaScript, we're using the fundamentals of the web. So it's building on things like HTTP and HTTP caching, HTML browsers to make this um, app that could be performant no matter what what level of internet you have. You don't have to have like a modern browser. Um, and so what that allows your users to do is... Um, there's this concept of progressive enhancement, and I'll, I'll go more into that in a little bit. But um, progressive enhancement was something that I hadn't really been exposed to being in the React world. It's something that I think the dinosaurs in C+. Oh, yes. I know that. what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> 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 so, okay. So, you know what I'm talking about. So, progressive enhancement is um, the analogy that I use is like if you're using – if you have a meal, right? So, if th- – there's eating to live right and this is just the nutrients that come from your food so you could have a meal that's just like a bland piece of chicken like boiled chicken with no seasoning on it and then a vegetable that's maybe raw like raw broccoli or something like that you could eat it you'll get all the nutrients from it you'll live right but it's not the most enjoyable experience now your users with slow internet connections (laughs) with, with slow internet connections are eating this meal to sustain themselves. Like they they're able to use your app um, using these web fundamentals. Um, But it's not the most pleasant experience, but it's functional. So I can update my ticket if I'm stuck at the ATL airport, right? With progressive enhancement, everybody has a functional app. But if I do have a modern browser, if I do have really high speed internet, I can benefit by adding on these little sprinkles of seasoning. That's the JavaScript that we have. So we have like these really smooth page transitions. We have like um, all different kinds of CSS, cool little tricks and things like that. Like for example, today um, at work, I'm adding in some confetti to a congratulations page <laughs> on a on a, um, a app that I'm building for work. So um, m- my users with modern browsers are able to see that, and so long story long uh, remix allows all of your users to have an exp- at the bare bones have this functional experience but f- other users can also take advantage of um, the additional features that you've added if they have like An upgraded browser,
0: which is awesome. I mean, progressive enhancement is honestly something that we should, as front end engineers, be thinking about all the time. Like, it's like, especially when we're, you know, building for mobile or, you know, building for low latency, it's like, yeah, you want your users to be able to have a fast experience where they able to get in, get out. Um, and those that extra sugar of like the, you know, confetti, like, yeah, you don't need that, but it's it's delightful. I, I'm I'm not complaining when I have that, but I don't need it to get the job done either, which is really cool.
1: Definitely. Like, and if I'm stuck at the airport, frustrated, and my app is super slow because it needs to download this confetti library, you know, arguably that's not worth it. Like, you know, it's, it's great when I'm sitting at home working from home and, um, you know, adds that little sprinkle of old bay or whatever seasoning you put on your chicken. Um, but <laughs> definitely not necessary.
3: Shonda, I love you use the airport analogy. Cause that's like exactly when <laughs> you want the website or whatever you're trying to do quickly. Like the plane's about to take off. It's a five hour flight you're desperately trying to download that podcast or like download a book or something like that. You're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I need every kilobyte of speed to get this thing done because I don't want to be bored. Uh, and then I, I love that. Like, you don't want to deal with someone in, you know, their, their 10 megabyte JPEG because they're like, Oh, I look great on my iMac and my, uh, like awesome gigabit internet. You're like, I don't care about that. I just care about like the functionality. That's why that progressive enhancement is nice because like it's there if you have the ability, but if not, like, just give you what you need. That's a really great, great analogy.
1: Thanks. Yeah. And um, so I, a lot of folks will ask, like, why use Remix? Or should I be using Remix or React? And I say both. Um, Like, it's not a matter of Remix- or React, it's a matter. And honestly, so Remix is built off of React Router, which obviously is optimized to work with React. Um, And so it um, leverages things. Did you just say router?
0: Yes, she did. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. (laughs) Good catch. (laughs) Um, So it's based off of that React library that I just discussed. (laughs) <laughs> so it's 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 optimized to work with React. And um, what it does is allows you to use these fundamentals of the web to do things like forms and all of the things that are very important to your users. And then you can also add React. Um, and then as we all know, React is not only giving your users a better experience by giving them um, all of these beautiful features out of the box, the code splitting and the image optimization, but also as a developer... We know how to use React Um, as React developers, I guess I should say. We know how to use React, and it includes things right out of the box that help us to work much more quickly and to get that highly optimized site with lower levels of code. So um, overall, I would say Remix and and React together is what makes the world go round.
0: I actually really like that, too, that I think in the past we've always like gone framework to framework to framework and it always gets better like there's usually incrementally something better that comes with one framework but in this scenario it's like well no we're not trying to replace like react which actually react's a library too i'm using framework like all over the place here but it's you know you're not saying like oh oh yeah, don't use React anymore. Don't use Vue anymore. We're saying like, what's missing with the current library or framework and and what can we do to enhance that? And and that to me is really great, not just for the user progressive enhancement, but even for the developer. Like I think about that too, is that you're not having to learn from the ground up, like a brand new framework just because it's the hot new thing. And it gives you, some little additional feature. It's a little more performant or whatever it is. It's an optimization. And I really like this like direction that we're headed.
1: A hundred percent. And I was having a conversation with uh, actually the, the folks who started Remix and we were talking about what we thought the future of the web would be. And my hope, my speculation is that there will be less divisiveness between different frameworks and libraries like there's always a new framework a new something that's coming out that people have to learn and it's like okay well then what's the difference between this and that and when would I use this when would I use that and um, I see if we move in the direction where things are more focused on what's optimized for the web what's optimized for browsers versus what's optimized for enterprise versus personal project versus blogs um, if we just focus on what's optimized for the web, which is what everybody's using as their their plate for the the chicken and the the broccoli, um, then we can kind of merge things together. It's not going to be like, um, should I use React? Should I use Vue? It'll be like, how can I use this with JavaScript or you know whatever I'm using? Or how can I merge the two together? So I think it'll be less of a segregated environment. Or this is what my hope is, speculation.
0: So. I believe you've mentioned a few as we've been talking, but what what are uh, some major benefits that would make you want to use Remix?
1: Um, so yeah, the, the big one I would say is that progressive enhancement. So it provides that better user experience. Overall, um, Remix provides optimizations on both initial page load, as well as navigation between routes. And I said this before, so I'll kind of go deeper into what I mean. But if you want an app that is performant, Remix is a really good option for you. And again, it's not like you have to throw away all of React. You can use this along with your React application. So um, in the talk that that I did at Remix Conf, I talked about the differences between client rendering and server rendering. The big difference is, or in my head, one of the big um, optimizations that server rendering provides is that it gives your users something to look at while your page loads. So if you go to click a link to any website, right, let's say um, and it's client-only rendered, which, if I'm using any JavaScript framework, by default, it's going to be client-only rendered. So like if I'm using React, Angular Vue, um, when I click that link, I will have to download all of that big amounts of uh, JavaScript that we talked about, as well as the data before the user can see anything. And so there's this period of waiting where the user is waiting, depending on how how good internet connection they, can ha- they have, that waiting period can be like a few milliseconds, not even something that they notice, or it could be something a lot bigger and obviously a lot more frustrating. So during that time, your user is either seeing a blank page, maybe a loading spinner if we've you know made a little, couple of optimizations on it. Um, but that's a client-only rendered app. What a server-rendered app allows you to do is um, one allows you to request the data from the server, which makes it a lot faster. I won't go into all the reasons why, but it's going to be a, a lot faster, Um, but also it gives your user something to look at while that JavaScript loads and while that that data is being fetched. And um, what they're looking at comes in the form of this server-generated HTML. Now, because your app is built using a JavaScript framework, there's not a lot that goes into the um, HTML that's generated. So it's just generated based off of what you've written in your React code. So aside from just like basic links, that there's not much that the user can do. They can read the content on your page, but they can't like. There's not a lot of confetti that's going to happen or anything like that, um, which is great. With uh, Remix, what we so this is just using React with Remix because it's a web framework. Now, when your user is like we just talked about talk, stuck at the airport, they have a lot more options for things that they can do at this stage of the process you know, they could fill out a form, um, instantly see the updates to their form. Um, those mutations are able to, they're able to see like to-do lists getting checked off, things like coming, coming back to them. So they just have a lot more options because it's, it's optimized to work with the web. That's one thing. Um, another one of my favorite things, oh, I'm sorry. So that's, uh, sorry, that's initial page load. Now, um, when you're flipping between routes, when you have a server rendered app, um there's a whole, like, you have to go through this whole server rendering process again. You have to go through and fetch the data. You have to um, grab the JavaScript, download the JavaScript again. You have to repaint the page with all the CSS and everything. Um, that's actually not the case with, the, with a client-rendered app. So um, in this case, like, a client-only rendered app is the optimal option when you're navigating between different pages and an app that you've already built up. Um, Remix acts like a server-rendered app when you're doing that initial page load. So it gives your users something to look at, but also like gives it to them faster with more options. But then as you're navigating between page routes, it also, it acts like a client-rendered app where it keeps um, the JavaScript in memory, the, um, or sorry, the JavaScript is cached, the, uh, the data is cached, the CSS stays in memory, and the only da- additional, Additional data that's fetched when you navigate between routes is only the data that changes with that route, with the, with the changing route. I'll give you an example because I talked a lot of technical stuff that's kind of probably <laughs> a big cloud in your head if you're just listening. Um, so the example that I went through is, um, let's say you have an invoice app, right? And on the left-hand side, you have a header, or sorry, a, a nav bar. That lets you pick between different invoices, and then on the right side you have like the opened invoice, right? And you're on invoice number two. You want to navigate to invoice number three. You don't need the nav bar to change. You just need the invoice to change. And really, you don't need the UI to change at all because the invoices are all going to like have the same layout. All you need is the data to change. I just need to see the sales numbers for this different invoice. When you click the the next route. Uh, Take a drink, guys. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, good catch.
2: <laughs> we, I think we've missed about four or five. So
0: She was just I'll on a roll that it's like, it's, it's like hard to interrupt that, too.
1: So, yeah. So, as when you click to the next route. Cheers. I want to think of another
2: word. We're going to go in an infinite loop here.
1: <laughs> when you navigate to page three, to invoice number three. All you need is the new data. So all Remix will do is fetch the data for invoice three and update the UI. And so by orders of magnitude, it's going to save your user tons of time rather than in a standard server rendered app, downloading all the data for the entire app, user information, You know every API call that comes along with the parents and children of whatever it took to render that, invoice, um, we're only fetching the data that's going to change, only the sales numbers for invoice three.
2: So like sort of on a continuum, there's like our uh, fully JavaScript client side only on one end of that sort of spectrum. And then we have like the old, like old fashioned server rendered stuff like Django and uh, Rails or those kinds of apps. And then Remix is sort of like somewhere in the middle it's kind of like taking characteristics of both and mashing them together is that a good way to yeah. think of it
1: exactly it's like taking the best of both worlds that's uh that's the way that i think of it is just when you're on that initial page load it's going to adopt the behaviors of a server rendered app so you're thinking of you know the the way that we'd always done it and then um the benefits why react became so sexy Is because when you're navigating between routes, it's just like updating the UI. So it seems like as you're clicking from you know invoice one to invoice two, this is like a really fast transition. I don't have to go and do a bunch of stuff. And so Remix adopts at that point adopts the properties of a client rendered, you know, old sexy React, not old, but sexy React, um, navigating between different page routes. So it's a lot faster. The reason why Remix does this is uh. Again, it's based on React Navigation Library. I don't want to say the word, but you know <laughs> what I'm talking about? <laughs> the, the big navigation library that's been around for eight years now. And so Remix, rather okay, so if you take a standard React app, we're doing what's called component fetching. And um, this is the way that we'll fetch the data. We'll grab the JavaScript. So when you click a link to grab the information for the page, your React is going to walk the component tree and fetch the data for the components in the order that they appear in the tree. So you have like a parent, you'll have children of that parent. Each of those children will have like siblings and then they'll have their own children. So you need to walk the actual component tree and then fetch the data in that order. What that leads to is um, a couple of things, but the it, it slows down the process. One, because the parent, or sorry, the children have to wait for the parent to finish fetching before they can even initialize their fetches, which means that, um, if, like, say the parent takes, has, like, a, a long, a big amount of data, and it takes a long time to, to return that data, um, your is going to be waiting for that, like, information, and, and there'll be a loading spinner for the child until that information, um, is returned, and then also the parents will, you know, block the children, or like the ones that take a long time, are going to pl- block the next components from from initializing their fetches. Remix, uh, because it's based on the React navigation library, using the word that we can't talk about. <laughs> um, each component is actually coupled with a part of the URL, so it's called um, route fetching. So if we have our invoice app, and let's say that it's shanday.com invoices invoice one. Shanday.com is coupled with its own fetching logic. Invoices is coupled with its own, fetch, its own separate fetching logic. And in um, actual invoice one has its own additional separate logic. All of that can be fetched um, all at the same time. So we don't have to wait for Shonday.com to come back before we initialize the fetch for invoice one. So it shortens the process. Everything can be done asynchronously and um, reduces the time that it takes to get to that interactivity because users aren't waiting as long for the JavaScript and the data to come back.
3: That's awesome. It's It's got it all built in for you, like a, a set of sane defaults uh, in guardrails, it, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so there's like a number of different doors that it opens uh, just by doing that. But um, again, like if you want to navigate to a different page, you don't have to start from the beginning and fetch the data for Shonday.com and then all of the parents again. It's just, I know what data is going to change um, from this UI to this UI. I know like what CSS is going to change and I'm only going to get the information for that part of the route that um, is changing.
3: That's That's such a great walk through on, on the benefits. But I'll ask you the other side, what are some of the, the drawbacks? It is it like a lot of configuration up front to get these benefits? Does it do it for you? Is it just a completely different paradigm that developers have to learn? No, yeah. Nothing's free in, in the web. I think we've right. learned
1: there's always trade-offs. Um so I'll speak as somebody who is still learning. And I I think because I've been so React I've been so JavaScript. It's a a challenge to learn something new. There are things that look familiar to me, but there's a lot of stuff that I have to go back and do a lot of research for. And um, so to me, if I'm building a smaller project, like my own personal page, if I am doing that actual shondae.com, I'm probably going to reach for something that I'm more familiar with. But um, because there are so many optimizations for the long run, if this were a bigger enterprise app, I would absolutely take the time to learn it if I'm building an app that's going to be used by multiple people, have like really heavy amounts of data, a lot of JavaScript, because it's worth it. Um, Now, if I was already like super familiar with it, like let's say, you know, maybe a, a year from now, six months from now, I might reach for it as this is just where my level of comfort is, and you know I'll go for it, but um remix is built in a way that it's it's very lightweight, so it could it could work very well for a personal blog personal site. It's just a matter of like actually going through and and learning the new um apis and hooks. The other thing is that because it was released, I think it was November um so it's still pretty new, even though it's based on the fundamentals of. React Navigation Library. Um, <laughs> it, it it So it's stable. But um, Remix itself as a framework, I think, needs more documentation and more use cases. And so that was part of the part that's tricky for me is, you know, I have the advantage of having great relationships with the people who've built it. So I can just like, you know, message Kent and be like, oh, you know, I have a quick question on like, why, how does this work like that? Or, you know, can you help me as I'm taking a peek under the hood? Not everybody has that. So, um, I'm able to ask questions, but it's not something that I can easily find. And there aren't as many people as say React, where you could just quickly find a YouTube video of somebody who's done, gone through the same example. So I think those would be the big things. Also, of course, and these things take time, but Using just React, people have built in not necessarily plugins, but just like libraries that are meant to commingle with React. It has like a really good um, community, and Remix is still working through adding that. Like, of course, if you're using Remix and React together, you can use anything. Like, you can use Tailwind, you can use CSS and JS, you can use all of the stuff that works with React with Remix if you're using React, but um, there aren't as many things that are built specifically for optimizing Remix. I, I love
3: how I can tell you're a senior engineer because you have that experience where you're like, this is awesome. This is cool. It has all these benefits. However, I wouldn't build like an enterprise app mm-hmm. on it or something like you're actually making money where you're going to have to support it amongst like a hundred developers, something like that. It's not ready for that. I love that call out. I think we should do that more where we're like, this is a cool thing. Dino's awesome. And Think, or bun or whatever the new, the new one is. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. But, you know, if you're talking about like building a real application, as in production traffic, cut paying customers... It's not quite there yet.
0: That's good to know. It's new, right? Like it's like it is fairly new and that that does take time. It'd be the same thing as like I remember when Facebook announced React. It's like, you're like, wow, that's so cool. And it's like, but it takes some time like before you want to introduce it because, yeah, your team needs to learn it, right? Like that's a cost. There's probably missing pieces to it that may not be ready for production level traffic there's a lot of things i, I jem you're calling out a great point i think i'm just adding to it is that yeah there's a lot of consideration that goes into it so good call out one other thing that i, I didn't hear you mention too much Sean day but when i was reading about remix i heard a lot of people saying funny enough that the router in remix was a bit confusing i don't know if that's true in or in your experience at all cheers
1: yeah let's cheers I'm going to use the word again, so get ready. I <laughs> I find that actual React router can be a little confusing to me, too. Cheers. 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 OK, and this reminds me of one of the other things that um, I would say as things that need to look out for in the future. So one of the opportunities. So with React Navigation Library, I find that testing is very difficult, because sometimes, um, in the apps that I've built, I'll typically, for example, I'll use the URL as the single source of truth. And I'll get the parameters from, okay, let's talk about, you know, shande.com slash invoices slash, like, let's say we're doing a search and invoices that contain company name is Netflix, right? I will have like company equals Netflix in the URL and then um, use those URL params to, initiate the search that uh, the search logic, you know, it'll go into the whatever we pull back as the search results, right? And the reason that I'm doing that is so that I can bookmark and say this URL, like I could save the URL, I could save the search, or I can give this search to somebody else in Slack, and they can come up with the same search results, right? Testing on that is not so easy, because you, there aren't anything that I, if anybody has it, please DM me, but um, I have not been able to find any way to test for parameters in the URL using Jest or React testing library. I've looked all over the documentation. I've looked all over Stack Overflow, have not been able to find that. And so um, there isn't enough for me of a testing story yet with Remix. Similarly with React. Navigation library, <laughs> being able to test on all different uh, scenarios when you're using the URL or params as a single source of truth. So that's a that's another thing. Is if there's so much that's going to go into um, navigation, URL, and routing. Cheers. You should be able to test on that very easily.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's definitely helpful to understand. And so there's probably even optimizations or improvements that can likely come just in that. To Gem's point, it's like, yes, there's more to come or like it's not maybe quite ready. But this is something where I always think I'm like, pay attention because like maybe this will be something that you want to start leveraging in the future for an enterprise app.
1: Absolutely definitely.
0: So another thing Sean that's come up that feel like I've seen this online or even heard others talking about it is there's almost like a confusion of like what's the difference between Next.js and Remix and you know which one should I choose? I've definitely seen that come up like often. Is there how do, how do you think about that? Is there differences? Would you choose one over the other for certain scenarios?
1: Uh that's a really good question. So uh Next is a re- React framework. And so the where I start when I'm thinking about the differences or what I would use for what is how do they brand themselves or where do they position themselves? Who do they talk about as our competition? Next, for example, they do a really great job at branding and marketing. And so I trust the story that they are trying to write for themselves. And so you can go quickly on their website and see where they want to be in the market. So when they're a React framework, they're targeting React developers. If you're not familiar with React, it's going to be a lot harder for you to get up to speed quickly with something like a Next. So if you're using Angular, you're more familiar with Vue, it's, it's not optimized for that. So Remix, uh, as much of it as I still need to learn, there are a lot of things that, um, if I would had just no, only knew JavaScript or in no React, or if I was just familiar with maybe um, web fundamental or HTML fundamentals and creating a basic form, I would be able to be pretty dangerous with Remix after just a couple hours of study, so or less. You know, I could I could spin up a, a website probably in a in a, in a couple of minutes, right? Um, both do a great job of the onboarding experience. So they have a CLI command that you can use. I forget exactly, but they're pretty similar, like create next app and create remix something. Um, but it's just like one command you can use to spin up a quick website. So they're similar in that way where you can get your own little site up and running really quickly to customize it though for next next does include a lot of things out of the box that you can just like kind of add in as you, um, imports and things like that. Remix, I think, is is um, growing a lot of that stuff, but I haven't tinkered with it. The big difference, I think, in my head is the, the use cases. And this is kind of where I was getting at with the marketing aspect of it. Remix positions itself as similar to React, where we don't want to fight with anybody. We're good for We're good for anybody that wants to use us. We're not trying to compete with anybody else. We don't want to be put in any box. We're a framework for a a tool, like a canvas for you to use to build whatever your heart desires. Next is very, um, we're enterprise. We are built by Vercel, which is a um, hosting platform that targets large enterprise companies. And um, to me, I don't... You know, I don't. I don't know their whole strategy, but to me, they um, it's more about getting people to use Vercel and and get hosted by Vercel. It's kind of like a vehicle to 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 push Vercel. Understandable because it's uh, created by Vercel, um, but it's meant for com- uh, people or companies that are that have stores that um, have. They they talk about blogs a little bit, but I think web stores is the big thing because they have a um web stores are going to have a lot of traffic a lot of they're going to need a lot of dynamic content that's going to change and so as a result they're going to have a lot of calls to the database and so those calls are part of the way that a company like Vercel will make the money is um through all of these different calls so um to me it's more of a vehicle to push that so I'm not knocking Vercel it's um next is an amazing tool i just think that um if you are building a store next is an amazing option if you're building anything uh remix is a great option too so i don't want to f- start a fight between the, <laughs> the two of them They everything yeah <laughs> They trade us and everything but um i'm very agnostic when it comes to things but uh and i'm willing to try anything but i just That's the way that I see them is just serving um, similar, uh, sorry, serving kind of different markets. Next wants to have sort of a niche and uh remix wants to fit a very broad audience
0: that's super helpful thank you like i I, that was a great way to describe it between the two that's great before we jump into picks i always like to think even for me i'm I'm so new to remix is what's some advice that you all would give to someone diving into remix and maybe since you know it is newer even for me i'm like i can't think of like how specific to remix that but like if even a a new framework or tool, like how do you dive into that and, and leverage it? What's some advice you would leave for our listeners? That's a great
1: question. Know the way that you learn. I learn, I feel like I'm such a, you know, just do what you want to do and be happy. Um, but I, <laughs> I'll tell you how I do it and you can take my advice or not. So I am a big learn by doing person. And I used to be, I need to know every single thing about every single thing before I start it, And that doesn't work. What that does, especially in tech, is you open one thing and then you're like, oh, shiny. And you just move to the next thing. And then that opens up a door to this, all these other things that you could learn. And then it's just this continuous cycle and you're a perpetual student. Yes, you can be a perpetual student and that's great. Positive, um, and that's the way that our world is. But at some point, you need to stop and actually try it, and that's how the information is going to stick. So, my advice would be to learn a little bit, as little as possible about the thing, and immediately start building it and um, have an idea in your head about what you want to build. It doesn't have to be the perfect project, don't overthink it. Literally, what I'll do is I'll come into a cool idea or some little problem that I'm facing right now what my side project is that I'm working on in remix is a tool that I'm teaching my son how to read. So um a tool that makes flashcards for phonics, like the little at and then puts the M in front of it so he could spell Mat. And um so and, and that's how I'll do it. So I'll just say whatever the project is, I'm gonna figure out how to do it in this framework or using this library or whatever it is and I'll go and build it. And that's how things stick. And that's how you get to work on Ryan's team at Netflix.
2: <laughs> I love that you're
1: building that for your son too. That's a great
0: approach. That's very cool.
2: I don't know if I have advice because I haven't tried Remix yet. But uh, one thing I remember playing around with Next and and working with that a bit was like how easy I could get it going and then deploy it somewhere. So it was like running. Is is there a story like that for for Remix where it's like not only because that can be a hard part when you're learning is like maybe you don't even know like how to get it out to a server. Um, and that like, then all of a sudden you're just like, well, I guess I can't, I'm blocked or whatever. Like, is there a a good story for that for Remix?
1: Yeah, there is actually. So on their website, they have a tutorial for jokes. There's a, um, a little jokes app that you can build. So there's a command that you put in and then you add in, um, one little thing for a template or something and there's a jokes one and then there's another tutorial as a starter. So yes, similar to Next they do have that. They also have a couple of YouTube videos that Ryan Florence did with little digestible snippets of how to do something or how something works in remix that I would strongly recommend
0: awesome awesome I think this is all great advice for if you're wanting to jump into remix let's jump into picks Uh, in each episode of the front end happy hour podcast we like to share picks of things that we found interesting and want to share with all of you let's start it off with Stacy what do you have for us this episode
2: all right I've got three music picks two different artists Uh, the first one is I guess three artists. The first one is called uh, Baby We're Ascending by High and John Hopkins. Um, I think I've picked John Hopkins stuff before um, in great collaboration. Uh, Pitchfork Review said the song replicates the heart and mouth feel of raving at its most ecstatic, which I thought was a great way to describe it. Uh, The second pick and the third pick are both by Motorat, and that's a mashup between Uh, Moda Selector and Apparat, which are two like uh, different groups, Uh, but they come together and they haven't put out an album in six years. So it's really exciting uh, for this new one. Uh, Drum Glow is the one song that I really like and Neon Rats. They're both uh, really excellent um, songs. And one of them has Loon samples at the beginning. And it's sort of dreamy. And like the Loon stuff totally reminded me of when I was a kid, I used to listen to these nature relaxation things like to like fall asleep and there's like one with loons in it and so it kind of sent me back uh, in down memory lane with that
0: awesome Jim. what do you have for us we'd say so, see loons as
3: in the bird yeah <laughs> okay
2: it's that loony tune just checking because
1: i don't think or- i know what a loon sounds like like i don't think if i heard a loon i'd be like oh that's a loon <laughs> it's a nice sound <laughs> it's pleasant
0: yeah it's, it's it's not yeah it's a pleasant it's not obnoxious bird sounds like a crow or something like that it's a very it's a nice peaceful i I feel like it's like an early morning like a lake you're just kind of like sunrise you hear that like in the background it's a pleasant sound yeah and then you know any canadian listeners will think of the the loonie which is like a dollar coin so that, that always comes to mind too
3: I'm just impressed you all can identify bird sounds. I I couldn't identify a single bird. Maybe a chicken.
0: It's probably the extent. An owl. Maybe yeah, an you owl. You should know an owl. Yeah. You know what a crow sounds like, right?
3: If you're like, this is a crow sound, this is a raven sound. I oh I okay, that's fair. Differentiate that's fair. between the two. Okay, I'll give you that. We're,
0: we're all good at something. I'm not good at bird sounds, apparently.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have one pick today, and it's been a while. Uh, so this is my Valley Silicon pick. For those who are just now tuning in, or and as front end happy hour regulars know, Valley Silicon is the part of the show where I highlight things that are absurdly expensive and only exist because we all in Silicon Valley get paid far too much money. It's been on hiatus for a while because, you know, with the economy going down, uh, inflation began up being at an all time high. I really couldn't tell what's expensive anymore and what's like, oh, this is just how things are. You know, groceries now, it, I think I spend like sometimes over $200 sometimes and I'm like, I didn't buy anything at all. I, I took a break from uh, Valley Silicon, but I'm back now because even though inflation's at all time high, there's a lot of tech layoffs, you know, the markets for everything is just wild. Some things I can still point out and be like, this is ridiculously expensive. So today's pick is a mini Porsche Cayenne RC car for your child. It is white. Uh, it comes with some wheels that has a USB MP3 player and all these things. You can get it for the low, low price of 1000 and $99 <laughs> so $1100 for an RC car that your child will certainly appreciate the amount of money you spent on this I, I don't I don't understand it like
0: well it's not an RC car gem to it they, the kid sits in it and drives
3: it yeah yeah sorry I'm calling an RC car but they, they sit in it <laughs> they drive it around they they look cool other four-year-olds at the playground will admire that they're driving a Porsche I, I yeah I, I don't know Maybe I'm a bad parent that won't spend this much money on my child, but I just know my son will not care
0: at all. Well, I think like power wheels are cool. Seriously, power wheels are very cool, but. What I don't understand is why that one is more money than like you can go get like a Lamborghini version, a McLaren version, a Jeep. I don't know. There's tons of options out there that they're like a couple hundred dollars. So and and the discrepancy in features, there's no discrepancy. They have the same features for like two hundred, three hundred dollars. So why is this one like eleven or twelve hundred dollars? That doesn't make sense to me. I'm not knocking the power wheels. I think they're cool. But th- it doesn't make sense that this one is so much more money.
1: Yeah, I, I'd i have to look into it. I'm going to click that link. <laughs> but I'm imagining that there's air conditioning or, you know, heated seats. <laughs> <laughs> Massage
0: seats, like all these right. things. Yeah. Right. All these things that children
3: will surely appreciate, all these yeah, extra right. features.
0: Exactly.
3: Just like uh, a few few months ago when I picked the Specialized Carbon Fiber Balance Bike, that children will like use for a few months and then age out. I don't know. Maybe there's a whole market for upscale children's gifts that I'm just not wealthy enough to to be in the loop. But uh, I think I'll sit this one out too. So that was my Valley Silicon pick for today. The mini mini Porsche. Uh, what did you call it? Power wheel.
0: Power wheels. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's good to call it RC because the like one safety feature is it comes with a remote gem, so that when your child is driving like a wild person you can control them and just prevent them from hurting themselves. So maybe that's where the RC part comes in. Awesome. Well, Shanday, now how do you follow the like Porsche Cayenne Power Wheels? Uh, what picks do you have for us?
1: Man, why did you go first, Jim? I <laughs> Mine is not that great. I was going to suggest an app for reading because, like I mentioned, I'm teaching my four-year-old to read. Um, hooked on phonics, as many of us have Known and love and grown up with, it is thebomb.com. So it's like they—I had my doubts because they promise you that your kid's going to read within 30 days or something like that, and otherwise you're no, your money back, like everybody does. But within, I think it was maybe two hours of practice, no, two or three hours of practice over two nights, my son read a whole book and. Um, He's like, he doesn't turn five for, I think, five months or something like that. So he's like pretty early on. But he was reading the first night. It was all the same sound, Matt, Cat and Cat, Rat, Hat. But he read the whole book and he was really excited about it. And then um, the next night he was reading a book that had all different kinds of sounds like Cat, Can, Tap. And um, so I'm just so impressed with it. And I sent a video in our team Slack where, and this is just you know me being his mom who works at Netflix, but we were at uh, we were at a grocery store in the checkout line, and um, there's a a little Netflix gift card, and I was like, hey, what does that what does that say? And he's like, N E T F L I X, Netflix, Netflix. <laughs> and he turns around, and you can see his little Netflix, you know, branded shirt. So um, <laughs> I highly recommend it. He's um really it made him really interested in reading it has like all kinds of cool stuff for kids that are into gross things too which he is very um i guess masculine in the sense where like squished birds and like giraffes eating fruit that makes them sick like all kinds of weird it's you'll get it if you if you get it but um that's my one and then i thought of another one which is a show called the Boys. Actually, should I talk about this? Because it's on Amazon. But um, so there's you're you're okay
0: to share stuff on Amazon.
1: (laughs) Can I do that? Okay. (laughs) There's a show called The Boys on Amazon. Everybody knew about it except for me, apparently, but there's a new season out for 2022. If you're into the um any of the superhero stuff, Marvel, Marvel or DC, you will like it. I feel like it is a more realistic view of what the world would be if superheroes actually existed. So of course, capitalism, drug abuse, all of the good things that make this world such an amazing place. So (laughs) I (laughs) highly recommend it. Um, It's a great parody of um, all the superheroes that you know and love, but an entertaining time. And those are my picks.
0: Awesome. Well, and I have two picks for this episode as well. My picks aren't maybe as entertaining as some of these uh, on this episode. One is a, if you if you like making cocktails, I have a book recommendation that I found very useful, has some really good drinks. And it's called The Ultimate Bar Book, The Comprehensive Guide. Uh, it's a great little book that I highly recommend. I think I just purchased it on Amazon. Amazon. And then my second pick is a video that was put together about hill bombing skateboarding in San Francisco. Now, I don't know that I was fully aware that there's this whole culture around bombing hills on a skateboard in San Francisco, which if anyone's been to San Francisco knows how big some of these hills are and Watching these kids on going down these hills, they are wild to be doing this. Like I I can't even imagine even trying to do that. I would be on my ass and I know that. And so even as like a kid growing up skateboarding all the time, I'm like, I don't know that I would have done that. So it's pretty cool. It's a really short little documentary. I think the New York Times had put it on. It, it, It was really interesting. So I highly recommend checking that out. Thank you, Day, so much for joining us and really educating us about Remix. I definitely am walking away learning so much more about Remix, so thank you. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to maybe talk Remix or just learn about all the things that you have to offer? Where can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so um, the beauty of having a unique name is that my first name is my handle for everything. So um, S-H-A-U-N-D-A-I, you can find me mostly on Twitter at um, also on Instagram at Shanday if you want to see pictures my kid. And if you are looking for updates on my TypeScript course, which hasn't come out yet, but if you want freebies, go to TSFORJS.com, TS4JS.com, and just put in your email address and you will get updates on course release dates and the freebies as they come
0: out. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. You can go to FrontEndHappyHour.com. You can always listen to us on pretty much every platform that podcasts are available on. Any last words? Routers. Ooh, Cheers. routers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. <laughs>